go. Morning, everyone. Uh, so, there we go. I'm liking the energy today. I'm feeling good today. So my name is Zach. I am the student pastor here, meaning I do all the middle school, high school, young adults. Always, I want to thank Pastor Mike because I love the chances where I get to come and hang out and talk with you guys. And I am really excited about today's message because as you see, we're kicking off a new series called Follow. And what makes this exciting about um, for me to give this to you guys today is honestly... No matter how much or how little you feel like you know Jesus today, no matter how long or how short you've been following him, whatever is going on in your life right now, there is going to be hope today that Jesus is offering you. So I'm excited. So before we jump into it, I want to let you guys know, if you call MVCC your home, um, one of the things that our church is built on um, is prayer. And at the end of the month, we do these prayer gatherings, and it's powerful. If you've been to one of these, the spirit moves, and they're amazing. And so we do them at the last Tuesday of every month. Our next one is going to be um, in June. So June 28th is going to be our next prayer gathering. And that's because this month, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a preschool at this church, um, and we are having our preschool graduation. So we're going to have a bunch of little preschoolers here and their families here, and it's going to be really exciting. So you can be praying for that as well. And we look forward to seeing you guys at our next prayer gathering, um, June 28th. So let me pray, and then let's jump into this together. Jesus, we just come to you right now, Lord. Um, Lord, and really ask that your spirit speaks here today. Lord, let us hear the words from you today, Lord, as this is going to be a personal message to every single one of us. So Lord, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. And God, we say this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So to get started today, I want to ask you guys, have you guys ever been mistaken for someone else? Right? Has anyone, by curiosity, anyone ever met their doppelganger? You guys know what that is? Someone who, anyone? It's, it's a really weird thing when it happens. Right? When I was in high school, there was a guy that looked exactly like me. We looked like each other. His name was Cody. We had the same kind of cool little hair swoosh. We were about the same height, similar build. The thing about Cody, though, um, in high school, in this one year, in like our junior year, he was like the star wrestler. Like he was like number one in the state, crushing it at every tournament, winning champions, winning like everything. And we happen to look like. So I remember in high school, this happened a handful of times where people would actually, other kids would actually come up to me and think I was Cody and be like, yo, man, like, great match, man. Remember when you go to the UFC, you're so sick at wrestling. So what did I do? Soaked it all in. I was just, I just totally played into it. I was like, yeah, man, thank you. Like, what can I say? You know, I try. Uh, my friends would like roll their eyes because obviously they knew I was just, you know, playing that part. Me and Cody never actually talked about that. He didn't know I was like stealing his identity at our high school, which sounds really creepy when I say it that way. But the thing is, it was fun. It was silly. But at the end of the day, I knew that really wasn't who I was, right? It wasn't the real me. I was just being misunderstood and mistaken for someone else, right? When we think about being misunderstood, Right, No doubt there has been no one in all of human history who has been more scrutinized about who they are more than Jesus. And if I was to ask all of us today, who is Jesus? Right, all of us would have some answer. Right, Maybe your answers would vary a little bit, but we would all have some kind of answer. And if we were to take it further and we were to step outside the church and we were just to hit the streets and we all started just asking anyone we saw, who is Jesus? We would hear maybe a bigger variety of answers, but everyone would have an answer. To give you an idea of what I mean, I'm going to show you this video right now because I think it's just so interesting. This is a guy, he just hit the streets and he started asking people, who is Jesus? And I want you to check out some answers. 
historical figure? I don't know. I think he was just a person. I don't know. Just a normal person like us? He was a selfless person. I have no clue. He was a man. I think he was marketing genius because he got people to believe him. I don't I don't think he's the son of God. I don't believe that at all. If David Copperfield was in the day of Jesus, he would be Jesus. I'm pretty sure he existed. Like, I'm not going to say that he didn't exist. He was God's son, but so was Gandhi, and so was Muhammad, and so was, you know, we're all God's children. Jesus is someone I pray to. Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, um, and he, to me, is the, like, symbol of just ultimate forgiveness and ultimate love. He's sort of that, like, constant figure in my life. Jesus is also Isa in Arabic, and he was a messenger as well. He was just extremely enlightened, like, religiously and morally. Was somebody that um, just tried to um, impart wisdom on others and um, make the world a better place. I think he saw something that a lot of people didn't see and still don't see in others. And I, I think that's just a lot of love and, and hope. It's pretty interesting, right? The thing is, the, the day we live in, everyone knows the name of Jesus. Everyone you ask about who is Jesus, everyone has some kind of answer. And it feels like everyone, we saw in the video, everyone can get behind like the good moral teacher, Jesus, right? Everyone loves Jesus' teaching that he taught us to love one another, right? He lifted up the oppressed. He was after the brokenhearted. Everyone can support that Jesus. But what makes Jesus polarizing is his claims to actually be God. And so what we're gonna see today and what we're gonna read is there's a very big difference between answering the question, who is Jesus and who is Jesus to you? So if you're following along with us, if you've been here, if you're just joining us, um, we have been on a journey through the gospel of Luke. And we're here today in Luke chapter 9, and we're picking up today exactly where we left off last week with Pastor Mike um, talking about Jesus' Jesus's more famous uh, miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. Right at this point in Jesus' um, ministry, he's kind of like entering like the peak of his popularity, right? His name is known. Everyone's undeniably acknowledged that there's something special and amazing about Jesus. He was this countercultural guy. He stood up to the religious people. He was doing miracles and he was casting out demons and he was saying all these profound things and everyone was amazed by him. And we see right before they do the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, we see Jesus send his disciples out into the city and he gives them authority and power to cast out demons and to heal and to proclaim the gospel um, that the kingdom of God is here. And so the disciples, they go out and they do that and they start spreading the word in the city. And this must have only created a bigger uproar for Jesus because when the disciples returned to Jesus, it said a huge crowd also found Jesus. And it said it was 5,000 people. And what makes that interesting is scholars say, that they only counted men back then. So if you were to uh, count all the women and all the children, must have been at least like 20,000, 25,000, maybe even 30,000 people all there. And so Jesus is teaching them and eventually they get hungry. And so the disciples bring Jesus these five loaves of bread and these two fishes and Jesus multiplies it and he feeds everyone. And so immediately after that happens, it says in verse 17, it says, everyone ate and everyone was full. We see Jesus then look to his disciples and ask them a very important question about who he is. And as we're going to learn today, and as we're going to read today, the same question Jesus asks his disciples, he's going to be asking us today. 
So here's what it says. Who is Jesus? Jesus first looks and says, who do they say I am? Here's what it says, picking up in verse 18. It says, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. The average person on the street back then, again, they all acknowledged that Jesus was special. They all were amazed by him. They knew there was something undeniably um, powerful about who Jesus was. At the very least, they, didn't, they were so far off on who he actually was. So they thought at the very least, there's something like supernatural about him. I mean, he's casting out demons. He's healing. Maybe he's like one of the prophets of God. Maybe he's like God raised a prophet back from the dead. And there's something supernatural about him. But they weren't quite ready to give him the title Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But they couldn't deny he was special. I mean, does that sound a little bit familiar to today? People acknowledge Jesus as special, but do we acknowledge him as God? And so what Jesus is doing here when he's talking to his disciples, um, he's very intentional, right? He wasn't asking them, who do they say I am? Because he was curious. He's like, wow, there's a lot of people here. What do, they, what do they think about me? Right? He wasn't doing that, right? Jesus knew what he was doing when he asked them, who do they say I am? Because what he was doing is he was setting his disciples up to give an answer about who Jesus is that differs from popular opinion. And he was having them get in a place in a rhythm of understanding that, hey, if you're going to stand for me, you're going to have to know it's going to go against popular opinion. Yeah. Is that not true for us today? So here's what Jesus does then. Then he looks to his disciples and he says, okay, well, if that's who they say I am, then who do you say I am? So he says this in the next verse. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And then Peter, being the self-proclaimed spokesman of the group, Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. Other translations say you are the Christ. The reason this is such a big deal, because for centuries, for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, God had spoken to his people. He had spoken through the prophets and he said, I am sending you a savior. I am sending you a Messiah. And the reason that was so significant is because for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people had been oppressed. They had been overtaken. They had been captives. They had been made slaves. And they were looking for someone to save them. They were waiting for God to save them. So when they heard God say, I'm sending you a savior, they were like, okay, this is going to be a political leader. He's going to rise us. He's going to overthrow our enemies. And he's going to make us the ruling power over the world. That's who our Messiah is. Not Jesus, who was a carpenter, who came from a little town in Nazareth, who told us to love one another. So when Peter made this claim and said, you are the Messiah, he was proclaiming that that is indeed you. You are the son of God. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one that God sent to save us. So when Jesus hears this, and he hears this huge confession of faith from Peter speaking for the disciples, we're going to see here right now, he goes, okay, if you're to call me Lord, if you're to call me Savior, Here's what it looks like to truly follow me. So he says this in the next verse right here. 
in Luke 9, 21, it says, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. Now, if you've read scripture before, that's probably really confusing, right? You're like, why does Jesus always say, don't tell anyone who I was? Isn't that the opposite of what we're supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to tell everyone about who Jesus was? The reason Jesus says this a lot, and the reason he's saying it right here right now, because like I just told you, that, term, that title, Messiah, has become so political. And Jesus understood, if I start calling myself, the people here start calling me Messiah, they're going to try to make me their king right now. And Jesus was not on a path to set up an earthly kingdom. He was on a direct path to the cross, and he did not want anything distracting him. So he said, my time is not now to be called that. And then he says this next. He says, the son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Listen, it's already amazing enough that Jesus actually rose from the dead. The fact that he um, predicted it, he not only foretold his death and resurrection, makes it completely more powerful. Then he said to the crowd, so now he's speaking to everyone. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth. Some of you are standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. Again, that verse, we're going to unpack that more next week when Jesus actually reveals himself in what's called the transfiguration between some of the disciples. But when we read these verses right here, you know, like I said, I'm the student pastor, so I get to hang out a lot with our middle schoolers and our high schoolers. And one of the things we're really focusing on right now in our student ministry is what it looks like to be bold and unashamed for Jesus. But even more importantly than that, we're trying to really have them understand why anyone would want to be bold and unashamed for Jesus. Because think about this right now. If you're not a teenager in this room, think back to when you were a teenager, Right? What, no matter what decade you were a teenager, this is a timeless truth. What was the one thing you wanted more than everything else when you were a teenager? Maybe don't say your answer out loud. We've got some teenagers here. We don't want to give them any bad ideas. But I'll tell you the answer that I think we can all relate to. The thing we wanted the most, no matter when we were a teenager, it's true for all times, we wanted to just fit in. You wanted to just be accepted. You wanted to find a place where you belonged. You wanted to fit in. And the reason that's so um, significant is because when you're a Christian, and you love Jesus with your full heart, it causes you to live differently. It causes you to date differently. It causes you to speak differently. You're not gossiping and talking bad about everyone the same. You're listening to different music. You actually go to a youth group and you're inviting people to church and you're telling people that you love Jesus. Your life looks different. So why would any teenager want to be bold for Jesus and willingly choose to sacrifice being teased, possibly sacrifice losing some popularity, popularity, possibly sacrifice some very friendships. The call we feel that Jesus has given us is to remind these teenagers what is to be gained from the sacrifice. The truth for all of us here today, whether you're feeling this way right now or not, we will find ourselves in a place that feels disconnected, that feels distant, 
from God when we forget what is to be gained from the daily sacrifice it takes to love Jesus with your full heart. You know, I feel like I need to say this right now, that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't die on the cross just so he can take our sins away, right? That's not the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus went to the cross to take our sins away so that he can remove the separateness between us and God. That is the gospel, that Jesus removed the separateness between us and God, that we are now brought back into this personal relationship with him. You guys know the age-old question? What is the meaning of life, right? It's the, it's the foundational question for humanity. Can I tell you it right now? You guys ready? Yeah. It says in Genesis, when God created us, when he created the very first humans, he placed them in a garden. And you know what it says he didn't do? He didn't create the first humans and create a church there in the garden and say, okay, go to this church, worship me there. This is the true religion of what it means to be a follower of me. Go and do this. It didn't do that. You know what he also didn't do? He didn't create the first humans and originally give them the 10 commandments and say, here's all the rules I want you to follow. If you do all the rules perfectly, then we'll be good. He didn't do that either. It says when he created them, it says he placed them in a garden and it said in the cool of day, he walked with them. That's it. It says he just walked with them. A few chapters later in Genesis, speaking of some of the most godly men, it said Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. See, God did not create us to have a bunch of rules with religion. He created us for a loving relationship. And you can't put rules on a relationship. Jesus came to this earth to bring us back into a personal relationship with our creator. And love requires sacrifice. So I want to ask us right now. Really, I want to let Jesus ask you right now. Who do you say I am? To think about that question for yourself. Who is Jesus to you? And as we think about that question right now, I want to remind you guys of a story um, from a few chapters back in Luke chapter 8 of this very interesting encounter that Jesus had with this woman. And at this point in in Jesus' ministry, it says he's walking and he's, again, his popularity is like off the chains. And he's walking in the city and he's with his disciples and his disciples are having a little problem with some crowd control. Because it said, we don't know how many people, we can just assume maybe thousands of people were all going fanatic crazy over Jesus, wanting Jesus to heal them. And we can understand a little bit. Just think about this for a second. If you knew that there was a person who at the snap of their fingers could raise someone from the dead, at the snap of their fingers could cure your cancer, wouldn't you be going a little crazy? Like, I don't care who this person is, heal me. Like, you would just be going crazy too. So everyone is going crazy trying to get Jesus' attention. Like, Jesus, heal me, heal me, heal me. And in the midst of all of this going on, um, it tells us there's, that there's this woman who for 12 years had been struggling with this very personal issue, this like uh, bleeding discharge, it says. And we can imagine that's very personal. Maybe she was embarrassed. She didn't want to speak up in front of everyone and be like, hey, this is what's going on. So it says in the midst of the crowd, um, she reached out and stuck her hand out and just swiped at Jesus' cloak. And when that happened, Jesus stopped everyone. And he said, hold on, everyone. He said, who touched me? And Peter, of course, being the self-proclaimed spokesman, said, bro, Jesus, do you see how many people are here? Everyone is touching us. I've never been touched so much, Jesus. We don't know who's touching you right now, Jesus. 
And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I felt power come from me. Someone touched me. And so now the woman, can you imagine this? In like her most nightmarish, like embarrassing moment ever has to confess in front of everyone, not only Jesus, but now all the thousands of people all staring at her and tell her exactly like what she's been struggling with, what she's been going through, that it was her that touched Jesus and it was indeed her that was instantly healed. And here's what Jesus says to her. He says, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And the reason I'm showing you guys that right now is because the New Testament, it was written in Greek. And there's this Greek word called sozo. And I kind of am going to laugh telling you this because I remember sitting in church and I remember pastors always talking about Greek words. I didn't know the New Testament was written in Greek when I was younger. I always thought pastors were just trying to flex like their knowledge, like, ooh, Greek word. I thought they're trying to be smart. So, but no, the New Testament was written in Greek and this Greek word for healed, right? The original word that gets translated for us for healed is this word sozo. And the reason this is so significant is because this is used 105 times in the New Testament. And the majority of times that this word is translated for us, it's translated to the word saved. So when he's saying here, he's saying, daughter, he said to her, your faith has not only healed you, but your faith has saved you. And again, why this is so important, because this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus came to this earth to not only heal us, but to save us. Jesus came to heal and to save a broken world. So when I ask you, who is Jesus to you? Have you allowed Jesus to be your healer? Truly, is Jesus your healer? I think one of the the craziest things for us to acknowledge, even if we've been a Christian for a really long time, is to really accept the fact that God truly loves us. I mean, I get so passionate talking about this because this is real. Like Jesus really does heal us. He really does uh, heal the broken parts of our soul, the broken parts of our hearts. And I stand here and I share this with you guys today. And I stand in every opportunity I get, whether it's on a stage, on a high school campus, in a conversation with someone, I say, I am a witness that Jesus has changed me and he can change you too. I mean, I stand here not as a, as a holy man. I mean, I've put every chemical you can imagine inside your body. I've chased um, every pleasure. I've, I've went down every dark avenue there is. And it wasn't until I decided to go, you know what? Maybe if I just give everything to Jesus, this relationship with God is maybe gonna be what I feel like I'm missing in my life. And it's this verse we read today, Luke 9, 23 was the foundation for my faith. It was the very thing I stood on for the very first time that started directing me towards Jesus. And again, I'll read it one more time for you. It says this, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. And I came to the realization one day, you know what? I had tried doing life my way and it turned out pretty horrible. 
I said, maybe, just maybe if I commit everything to Jesus, something will happen here. And like I said, this will be something that I felt like I was missing. And so I had to start realizing that if I'm not going to do things my way, that means I need to start denying my desires and my will for life. Stop going to the party. Stop going to all these things so that I can just commit 100% of my heart to Jesus in hopes something will happen here. And I'll tell you this right now. I was a church kid. I had been around church a lot. You can hear all the time. You can sit here and know that God loves you. You can hear hear that God loves you, but it's another thing to experience God's love. When I gave Jesus 100% of my heart is when I actually got to experience the love of God, and it changed me forever. All right, come on. We know life has a way of beating us down, training us, discouraging us. I'd be foolish to believe that there aren't some of us who are here today who have really been through some traumatizing things, who have really been hurt by some people, and I ask you today, have you really allowed Jesus to be your healer? To invite him in to heal your soul? Listen to what Jesus says here. This comes from himself. He tells us this. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Is Jesus your healer? So again, the application here, if you're following along in your notes, it's this. It's Luke 9.23. Again, if we want Jesus to heal our hearts, we have to give him access to 100% of our heart. Right? Picking up our cross daily. Remember, that's not, our life is not about just not sinning. Right? It's not about just trying to be a good person. Jesus didn't come to this earth to just be a good moral teacher. He came to this earth to bring us back into a personal relationship with Jesus. When we say no to sin, when we deny ourselves of all the things that are fleeting pleasures, and we say, you know what, I'm going to say yes to you, Jesus. We say no to sin so that we can say yes to this daily relationship with Jesus. And I want to just show you right now how simple this can be just to get started, right? If you have no idea if like, I, I know that there's some of us who are really caught up in some uh, habitual sin and just some serious stuff where maybe we want to get away from it, but we just feel stuck right now because of what's going on. I want to show you what it's like to just start allowing Jesus to heal your soul. Just think about this. What if you woke up each day, throw the covers off, your feet hit the ground, and you just start praying this. You say, Jesus, here I am. Show me how to draw closer to you today. And you just prayed that every morning. I mean, do you think that would start to help you listen to the voice of God? Do you think if you started doing that every single day, you might be more tentative to how God is leading you to make choices that is growing you closer to him and not further from him? I mean, think what would happen in your life if you just prayed that every morning. Have you allowed Jesus to be your healer? And I'll close with this today. If Jesus is your healer, and he's also your savior, right? Jesus will never mean anything to you if you haven't actually allowed him to be your savior. Everyone who's ever lived, we're going to one of two places. Eternity with Jesus, eternity apart from Jesus. And from what we read today, Jesus, he makes it pretty clear for us. He says, either you're with me or you're not. 
And man, praise Jesus and praise God that our salvation, right, what is based on, it's not based on this flippity-floppity thing where like, okay, I prayed a lot one day, whoo, I'm good. Oh no, I didn't read my Bible. I better ask God to save me again. That's not how it works. Remember, Jesus did not come to save us to be in a religion full of rules. God did not create us to be full of rules. He created us on a relationship that is about love. And if you put your faith in the fact that, Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, I want this relationship with you. Jesus says, you are saved. This comes right from him. Listen to what Jesus says here. In John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus gives us the title of son or daughter. And he says, that is who you are. And nothing can change that. See, if Jesus is your savior, it's not about just one prayer that you pray. And then it's like, okay, he was my savior that day. And now I got to live my life trying to be a Christian. No, Jesus never stops being our savior. He is our savior daily, right? When we're feeling overwhelmed by life's just trials, which come on, most of us are there. Jesus says, I am the one who brings you comfort and peace. When we're emotionally hurt and we're going through it, Jesus says, listen, I have overcome the world. Put your faith in my purpose, in my power. When we're alone, broken, scared, Jesus says, I am with you. We might know that Jesus is savior of the world, but have you allowed him to be your savior? So again, the action point here today is very simple. Be in relationship with Jesus daily. Allow him to be your savior daily. Bring him your struggles daily. Bring him your worries daily. Allow Jesus to be your savior daily. So my hope for us today in this message is as we ask the question, who is Jesus to you? So you'll have an answer to that question. When Jesus says, who am I to you? You'll have an answer to that question. And I'll, and I'll just end with this before I pray right now. If you're a parent in this room, you'll, you'll understand a little bit of what I'm saying right here. Um, but I have three kids, three, three kids under three years old. Pray for me, you know, always appreciate it. Could use it. And this story goes, it's true for all my children, all my kids. But I'm going to tell you about my daughter, Aaliyah, just because she's the one who's talking right now. And one of the things I love to do as her dad is I love to pick her up. And I love to point in the mirror or point out a picture of myself and say, who is that? Not because I'm having like an existential crisis and I'm like, two-year-old, tell me who I am. Right? No, it's because I'm her dad. And I say, who is that? And I love just to hear her say, Daddy. And I want you to think right now how sad it would be for me as her father if I said, who is that? And she was like, one of my daddies. Or even worse, she was like, stranger? And then continue to think just how brokenhearted I would be if she went out and she started, went to the park or wherever, and she started just calling all these other men daddy and calling all these other men dad and started giving them all of her love and them all of their affection and them everything that was supposed to be directed towards me, her dad. I would be so sad. I'd be like, but wait, I'm your only dad. You only have one dad and that's me. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one who cares for you. I'm the one who has my whole heart to give you. 
Don't look to find another dad anywhere else. I'm your dad. You see, when Jesus, when he asks us to say, who do you say that I am? He doesn't need you to remind him. He knows. He knows who he is. But God goes, I am your heavenly father who loves you, who is with you, who is fighting for you, who is your healer, who is your savior. When we cry out and we worship God, we proclaim him as our father. So who is Jesus to you? I'll say it one more time, just to think in your life, to not let today just be another Sunday, to really think about who is Jesus to me? What would my life look like if I just said each and every day, God, here I am. Show me how to draw closer to you today. So I'm gonna pray right now. And if anyone's here, I'm gonna give you a chance to make this decision today, and maybe for the first time, to proclaim Jesus as Lord, to cry out to Jesus, say, Jesus, I want you as my savior. And what's important about a prayer like this, this isn't something special about the way you use your words, but what's special about making a prayer like this, it's about the moment. The moment you acknowledge that I want this relationship with you, Jesus. So let's go ahead and join me, join me in prayer. If you're here today and you're feeling distant, you're feeling disconnected, you have never made the decision to accept Jesus as your savior, I want you just to pray this with me. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose again on the third day. Jesus, I ask that you forgive me. Jesus, I commit my life to follow you. Father, I just pray over all of us right now, Lord, that you remind us today that this relationship you're calling us to is personal. Lord, that you are with us daily, that you know exactly what we're going through. You know exactly what our hearts are carrying. You know exactly what struggles is on our shoulders, God. And I pray you remind us today, you say, I'm the one who will carry that for you. Whatever needs to be spoken to us personally, Lord, it's not about my words. I pray your spirit reminds each and every one of us this personal relationship you're calling us to. So I say this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, again, if you're here this morning and you've made the decision to make Jesus your savior, you put your faith in the fact that he is healer, he is your savior. One of the things we do here every week is take communion. All right, and this is what it's about. It's about the cross. It's not about the things we've done. It's about putting all of our trust in the fact that, hey, all of my sin, I am not perfect. I love you, God, but I still struggle. I am putting all of my faith in the cross. And Jesus, he tells us to do this because he says the juice, it's to remind us of my blood that was shed for you. The bread or the cracker we take, Jesus says that is to remember my body that was sacrificed for you. And so I just wanna encourage you just to take this moment and to come before God with all the confidence that you stand with Jesus and Jesus says, this one's mine. And it's not about what we do, it's about putting all of our faith in Jesus. So as we take this moment, just maybe really ask God or allow Jesus to answer for you. Who do you say that I am? Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. 
Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.